The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, um, it might be helpful to know that in the Buddhist tradition, when they uh, emphasize patience, uh, it's very strongly connected to um, not giving in to anger. So, uh, so rather than rather than rather than the idea of being patient with situations outside, whether you you know being passive or whatever you're supposed to do, a lot of it has to do with focusing on on uh, the arising of anger in yourself and what you do about that. And so, I mean, I know people have a lot of opinions about anger, but uh, often enough, uh, anger um, gets us in trouble. You know, anger causes harm and suffering for ourselves or for other people. And it's counterproductive, certainly, oftentimes, for the spiritual path. Um, and the anger that, uh, that Buddhism focuses on is uh, because it's ambiguous, or it's, it's, people have different associations with what anger means. But it's the anger that has hostility in it. And if you can be angry without being hostile, then perhaps it's okay. There's maybe wise ferocity where you say <coughs> no very strongly and with a lot of energy. Um, but um, but uh, when Buddhism talk, when you, in, in Buddhist English, if you use the word anger, you, you should translate it as, uh, as this is the kind of anger that has hostility as part of it. So it's easy for that, that to arise. And so a, a big part of this uh, quality of patience has to do with not giving in to your anger, not letting it have the upper hand, keeping your anger in check enough so it doesn't, anger doesn't drive you, you don't act impulsively or automatically from your anger. And they have the ability to have the clarity, the openness, or the stability to have anger arise, but not have it take over, not have it affect what you say or do, um, is a really big, uh, important aspect of this patience quality, this kanti. So this is from the quotations you'll get from the handout. Patience is the unimpeded weapon of the good in the development of noble qualities, for it dispels without residue anger, the opposite of all such qualities. So anger is the opposite of all the noble qualities that get developed in practice. It is the adornment of those capable of vanquishing the foe, the strength of recluses and brahmins, a stream of water extinguishing the fire of anger, a mantra for quelling the, po- quelling the poisonous speech of evil people, the supreme source of constancy in those established in restraint. Patient, patience is an ocean on account of its depth, a shore on account of bo- bounding the great ocean of hatred, limiting the great ocean of hatred. So there's go- goes on, on here, but... So the connection with you know anger is important one important aspect of it, and then then it becomes maybe a little bit easier because it's not necessarily you know we're supposed to be patient with things external to us. Um, maybe or maybe not. I mean, who knows what the external world needs? But even if we're going to engage in the world um, uh, with something, can we do it without being uh, being influenced by our anger or being caught in our anger as we do it? And that's the one of the great benefits of this uh, patience. And the same thing also with mindfulness itself, the way it's defined in the West, as a kind of ability to have non-reactive presence, non-reactive awareness. Non-reactive awareness means that you're not reacting. Anger is, this kind of anger is a kind of reactivity. And so 
can you not give in to that reactivity? And then we have maybe hopefully access to, to wisdom. And so the wisdom can um, take it the upper hand rather than the reactivity. So um, the, um, here it says, uh, patience is, is, is the supreme source for constancy. So constantly being able to maintain a constant effort to keep practicing in a, with, uh, with uh, practicing or engaging some endeavor that you've set yourself to do and being able to persist in it. It's a very important quality. So it's not meant to be, patience is not meant to be only something that makes you passive. It also is meant to be empowering because it, it gives you this, the capacity to continue with what you've set yourself to do. And there are times in life where that's you know, really helpful, especially when we, when we, we want to give up. And uh, I, you know, in many situations in life I've been in where I said, I, I can't do it. You know? So like, I mean, what comes to mind right now is when I did my doctoral dissertation. Um, from, all, all, from all evidence, this is not something I could have done. <laughs> and, um, and I regularly would think to myself as I was working on my dissertation, I can't do this. This is too much. It's impossible. And, um, and I, and, uh, but I didn't let those thoughts get in the way. Um, I just let them be like pesky flies in the background. And those thoughts would be there regularly, but I just didn't listen to them. And um, they had no power over me. And I just focused on the next, literally, the next half sentence. And there was sometimes a footnote. And if you do enough half sentences, eventually you get a dissertation. (laughs) (laughs) And so there was just, I just persisted, you know, and so my patient's patient persistence had a lot to do with not listening to all those, all the doubt I had and all the uh, doubt, all kinds of doubts that I had with this not worthwhile, I shouldn't be doing this, I, I can't do it. Um, you know, all kinds of thoughts that came up and I, I, I set myself to do this and, and I kind of was committed. I, I, I kind of said, um, I don't know, you know, um, I think it's good to follow through on what I've started. And, and that idea, I should follow through on what I started, kind of really carried me through to the end of that dissertation. Um, so with practice as well, what's the follow-through, the capacity to follow through. I know it's easy with practice, whether it's daily sitting practice, whether it's practicing in daily life, whether it's going on retreat and practicing on retreat. There can be a lot of things that come up that can stand in the way of our persistence, our regularity, it's hanging in there. Some of the same things, like, just, you know, this is too hard, the spiritual mountain is too high, you know, you, know you, you hear some teachers talking about, you know, going off and doing three-year retreats and how wonderful that is and how the deep insights they could have and you scratch your head and say, well, that's, I can't do that and it's impossible. I, you know, I'm lucky if I get you know, to my cushion once a day. You know, this, this, this Buddhism seems like it's made for these people who have other lives than I lie. I don't know where, where they came off, with, what they got off with. You know, you know, so I can't do it. I might as well watch television. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, uh, or, you know, there's all kinds of reasons. Or my, my, my family doesn't understand. My family doesn't like it, you know. They're threatened because I'm supposed to, I grew up in this other religion and now I'm involved in this, this religion. My family, my spouse feels like I'm going to change. And it gets so, it's getting so uncomfortable now, I think I can't continue. And I know when I was a new practitioner, I gave up my practice at one point because uh, my friends that I was living with, uh, I didn't have a way of kind of harmonizing with them as I practiced. 
And so, because I didn't know how to do it, my solution was to give up the practice and, uh, while I was living with him for about six months. And um, so, uh, what are some of the things that allows us to persist? I think one of, the, one of them is to, is to not allow the obstacles to get in the way. So, when the obstacles are thoughts and beliefs and doubts, uh, there's a way of sometimes just simply not listening to them and um, not letting them kind of have to bur- burrow into our mind and have take control. Sometimes I think of mindfulness as an umbrella, that if you're mindful, uh, the, you know, the umbrella, the rain just falls off, you, know, you don't get wet. So mindfulness is an umbrella that allows all these doubts and resistances we have just kind of just wash, wash off because you know, we don't listen to them. Like I had my, my dissert, dissert, dissertation thoughts. Um, you know, they, it wasn't like umbrella, it was more like these flies, but I just didn't let them stick anywhere affect me. And sometimes uh, persistence comes from having some strength as well, uh, some ability to, uh, of, uh, of strength of confidence that this is really worthwhile and overcomes the obstacles, um, strength to persevere even when it is a lot of work. Sometimes spiritual life, spiritual practice is heavy labor. And uh, sometimes people associate spiritual life with floating on a cloud and just being easy and relaxed and detached and you know I'm only doing this practice right if you know I'm one of those people who can kind of just kind of float through life and be <laughs> smile and easy everything's easy and nice and relaxed and you know and um, but you know sometimes it's not that way at all sometimes Buddhist practice is really hard work heavy labor um, uh, some people say so it's not uncommon for some people to say that there are times and phases in doing Buddhist practice that it's the hardest thing they've ever done in their life. And, you know, if they had known, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have started. <laughs> and part of the reason it's hard is sometimes, I mean, not everyone has the same degree of difficulty, but um, what makes it hard is you, generally. You know, the fact that, uh, you know, the challenge, internal challenges of yourself. But if there's strength of character, strength, inner strength, that kind of just persevere and keep going, keep going. It's phenomenal how much of uh, the benefits of practice comes from just um, yeah, the continuity of practice doing it. You don't have to be a, the great, brilliant practitioner. Uh, you, uh, you, all you have to do is keep doing it. And you know, keep doing it day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute. Just, just keep at it, keep at it. And um, sometimes, um, you can see there's, there's shifts and changes and growths that happen imperceptibly, slowly, slowly over time, that uh, only happen because of the persistence. And if you don't keep it up, then something, you know, it doesn't kind of build. And I've seen a lot of practitioners who, um, <coughs> who, I'm thinking of one person now, who was having a really, he came in a lot of retreats with me, and I was starting to have some doubts whether he should even be on retreat. I mean, maybe he should do something else. I was about to tell him, you know, I, you know, you're having such a hard time with this. It's so difficult for you that, um, you know, maybe, you know, you keep trying and trying and you keep coming back every retreat and you same difficulties. It's a real struggle for you and, and you leave kind of a wreck. <laughs> and, um, and maybe, you know, maybe you should do something different. But I didn't say anything, partly because there was so much faith and so much confidence and so much effort being put in. I had so much respect for it. I said, I have to be really careful with this. I'm a teacher. He looks up to me in some way. 
I have to be really careful. And maybe I should be, maybe I should be, you know, so I was debating in myself, what should I do? Should I, do I have the responsibility to tell this person to give it up? <laughs> you know, or do I have the responsibility to kind of just keep supporting the person? Uh, so I didn't say anything. And that person, because of the persistence of keeping at the difficulty, and, you know, because of, just because of that, that person was changed dramatically and found tremendous benefits in the way that his rest of his life unfolded because of how he negotiated and hung in there and was patient and just worked hard against these tremendous challenges on retreat. It really changed the rest of his life dramatically. There was a maturing that happened in him that, um, you know, and, um, and, you know, it was really beautiful what happened uh, over time. And um, so, you know, the persistence, the staying in there, doing it, doing, doing it, is such an important quality. And I know from my own practice, um, it's, uh, I think that one of the most important things is the continuity of practice, of persistence. Because I don't take credit, a lot of credit, for the good that comes from practice, for me. Because I don't quite, you know, it's kind of like a little bit mysterious how the good, how I get changed, or how I get concentrated, or how, you know, I can't quite take responsibility for it. But what I can take responsibility for is persistence, is continuity, just keep doing it. If you keep doing it, then something gets aligned, that different things happen, it makes it possible for something to happen. And uh, and the last thing I'll say, it's kind of like that movie, uh, Field of Dreams, where it says, build it, then he will come. And, uh, you know, so you you build it, you practice your your persistence, build something, create something, and then something else begins to happening. That's not necessarily your your doing, but it has to be. You have to have this continuity. So the patient persistence, the the, the capacity to persist against odds of all kinds. So that's the topic for discussion among you. And what I'd like now is for you to uh, f- go into groups of four. And uh, I don't know if we're, if we're multiples of four here, but we'll see if. If you, if you don't fit into a group of four, and hopefully you all know how to count. I've noticed in past Dharma practice days that some of you didn't get... <laughs> you know, one of these Dharma practice days, we're going to have to do Dharma practice days on numbers. And, but if you could kind of, you know, figure out that maybe... If you don't know, ask the other person around you. And uh, get in groups of four. And then, um, and then if there's uh, some people who don't fit into a group of four, why don't you come up here to the front, kind of move towards the front so we can see who you are. And then uh, if there's one or two or three, I'll help you figure out what to do. Um, and, um, and there's a topic for the discussion is um, for you to discuss uh, your challenges in persisting in doing spiritual practice or doing meditation practice or Buddhist practice, whatever kind of, some people don't like the word spiritual. Um, so uh, uh, what are the challenges you have in persisting. And what abilities, understandings, wisdom do you have in order to persist? So what are the challenges? What are your challenges in persisting? And what are your abilities to persist? What are what supports you to persist? That make sense? So if if uh, one of the values of some of these it's valuable sometimes when the questions are not so clear. <laughs> Because it is for you to find yourself in it and discover something about yourself. You're not answering, it's not a test. You're supposed to answer the question, you know, the right way. 
It's more like these these are excuses to explore something in yourself. So, and um, so what I recommend, as your group before discusses it, is that uh, you want to be careful that no one kind of dominates, talks a lot, but have some sense of flow. You that you're going around in a, a circle, maybe uh, clockwise, and someone contributes something to the group discussion, some topic, you know, how it is for them, their challenges, or what sustains them, helps them. And then allow someone else to contribute something about themselves. And then someone else, they'll come back to you and have it go around. It doesn't mean you have to just say a few, you know, one sentence, but it can be a little bit more discussion than that. But some idea that what you're doing as a group, you're creating kind of a, you're having a conversation or creating a group process or a great group kind kind of opportunity to let something emerge as you kind of go around the circle and explore this topic. So, and if you don't understand what I said, don't worry. <laughs> just, just, just have the discussion. Yes? Um, as we go around the foursome, do you envision us just sharing from within, or do you envision us reacting or responding to what someone has said? Yeah, mostly not responding, but, but there could be a little bit. I mean, it's okay to have some. But but um, uh, but naturally you'll respond. I mean, if you go around, someone will say something. It'll remind you of something else that you hadn't thought about, and so you'll come and say something new. And that's part of the value of the circular thing: is that you're you're being changed and being uh, affected by what you hear. And if you only if, you, if you're the first person to speak and you speak for ten minutes, you know that's nice, I'm sure. But um, <laughs> but then you don't you, you don't you don't benefit from the group process and what's happening in the group and how people are re- reacting and responding. And so by the time it comes back to you, you'll have a whole different place to offer something new. So like that, right? Okay. So why don't you uh, find groups of four and... Uh, thank you. So perhaps now we can have some... Uh, someone can check in a little bit about what that was like for them. And it'd be nice to have a range of people. I'm sure different groups went different directions or had different experience. It'd be nice to hear a little bit what it was like to have that discussion and what came up. We're talking about sometimes losing ourselves in our thoughts and um, getting so wrapped up in some uh, dealing with a perceived crisis, strategically, analytically, whatever, that we lose touch with our practice. And right afterwards, I was thinking of a metaphor that's like a helium balloon and we're holding on to it. We've got a helium balloon, and we are the helium balloon. And we go off into the sky, and how do we get back? And um, there's something some of my group friends said made me think, if you've always got a tether, um, you won't fly too far. Um, and the tether being the tether to your heart and to your body, your breathing, mm. so that your mind can't wander off infinitely. Beautiful. Thank you. 
I guess nothing much happened in those groups. <laughs> what came up in our group was um, um, making a habit out of practice and how to establish that habit and having the faith for me and for another member in our group it was the neuroscience which has proven that practice really works in rewiring your brain so it's kind of putting those two things together keeping that goal that knowledge that faith based on science that it works and then establishing the the habit beautiful thank you Just one of the things that came up for us um, is getting, that's what I heard in the last speaker too, about getting in touch with our intention, original intention for practice, and using that as um, a jumping off point, you know, in the day-to-day practice, like why am I really doing this? Beautiful. And uh, and that's helpful in, in the harder times when, you know, you don't want to sit down. Beautiful, thank you. So important, intention is so important, and coming back to it and reestablishing ourselves and being reminded of it is so, so important. So another thing that um, came up in our group is the challenge of continuing with the practice or you know, being persistent at it. Um, that oftentimes is the fear of not knowing what is on the other side if you actually decide to do it. Because, you know, we all know who we are as unpleasant as we have these clingings, we know what they are. And if we decide to change, then it's, it's like, so, well, what's going to happen? When that, and, you know, not knowing can be a big turret to getting so, that. Yeah, so sticking with the familiar can be a reason for not to keep at the practice. Exactly. Because yeah. the unknown is... Who knows? Yep. Yep. Uh, Let's see, I'll try to summarize for our group. Uh, Meditating in the morning, not putting it off. Um, Trying to make two spiritual retreats a year, um, uh, starting to meditate for 40 days at Lent. Um, That wasn't mine. Um, Joining with other people because there's something essentially lonely about um, meditation and for people who live alone um, to do that. Um, and we discovered that two of us know each other from 45 years ago. (laughs) And here in the front. I think as we talked, 
and we were thinking the practice, I think it went from this concept of a formal practice to actually the practice is just living. And how are we actually just showing up in each moment in our life? And, and then I think we were all were trying to break that down. And it got down to how do we actually just show up more honestly with the truth mm-hmm. and not the lies or the things that the mind wants to think. But, you know, okay, patience is the uncomfortable. Patience is not letting, you know, the mind put its chatter to take you away from what's really happening. Mm-hmm. And, and they, you know, as these pieces just dropped away, then here's the practice. How am I living my life? Showing up at this moment and being honest. Beautiful. Thank you. So... Um, <clears throat> was it interesting for you to do this kind of process of going around in a circle and just kind of did you, did you find that it kind of uh, somehow built on itself and you yes. kind of your, 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 your reactions your, your responses changed as you heard other people and yeah so it's, I think it's a very powerful process and, uh, and uh, I don't think we have enough opportunities <clears throat> to in a healthy way kind of have a group process where we it's kind of like a group mind gets created if you do it enough times you kind of group mind and group understanding and it's a beautiful process to be done. Sometimes when communities have difficulties in the community, that process of, of it's called counsel, of going around and talking and, and learning from each other and hearing each other out well. Um, there's a group mind, group understanding, group kind of process can unfold in an organic way that um, is, is sometimes a lot wiser than any one person could have planned ahead of time. Okay? <clears throat> so... Um, uh, let's take uh, our hour for lunch, and uh, I suppose we should start in here at uh, ten minutes after one. It's slightly more than an hour, and um, and uh, those of you who are new, people who know, have been here before. They all set up tables inside or outside. And